0: Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is The Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I am your host. With me today is Jack Kerr from our Capital Markets Group to bring you up to date on the current state of the financial markets. Welcome, Jack. Hey, Josh. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with our firm, The Rudd Company is a wealth management firm headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. We manage investments for successful families and organizations across the country and become your wealth manager, confidant, and personal CFO so you can relax and focus your time and energy on what is important to you. On this episode today, Jack and I are going to discuss quality focused investing, which has become a popular topic of discussion recently. It may seem like quality and investing are two words that go hand in hand. Well, we're going to walk through this topic and compare it to other popular stock selection methods and also walk you through our process, which our more astute listeners should find very interesting. Jack, before we get started, very interested to hear your take on what's been going on in the financial markets, particularly in the trading rooms, as you've been trying to make some things happen.
1: Well, we're always starting and ending with the Fed these days, it seems like. And This month was no different. We've seen quite a narrative change just over the last few weeks. Now it seems like the Federal Reserve is dead set on decreasing inflation. They're going to do whatever they can to do that, even if it takes eight to 10 rate increases this year. So they're talking about being more aggressive. But as a lot of our listeners knows, we're a little bit skeptical, aren't we, Josh?
0: So you think they're actually going to do eight to 10?
1: I don't, (laughs) know, and that's that's just my opinion. But the interesting thing to me is we're seeing a lot of sectors in the economy, they're starting to be affected by these rate increases and the prospect of just sustained higher inflation. We talk about the stock market every week, but how about mortgage rates? I've seen in certain areas of the country, mortgage rates are approaching 5%. That's a new
0: thing for everybody under the age of 40 who's listening, by the way.
1: Yeah, and uh, scares me a little bit as a younger guy, maybe looking for a house here soon. And it's not just in the stock market, was my point. We're seeing it in mortgage rates, consumer spending, and just overall valuations of companies. So we'll continue to monitor that. But the market every day, it's, it's absorbing this news, it's changing, and, and we're going to continue to see some volatility, I think.
0: Well, I completely agree. And interest rates, it's gonna be really interesting to see how the market responds. You know, you talked about consumers and I'm sitting here while you're talking thinking about basically everything that we purchase is impacted by interest rates. So consumers be on the lookout for rising rates and not only rising prices driven by inflation, but also rising prices impacted by higher rates.
1: Yeah. And our job's here to kinda of look at those consumer trends and determine which investments to choose based off those trends. So we'll we'll definitely be monitoring that. Second, here, I know we talked about last podcast about the Russian-Ukraine news a lot and you know the long-term impact of markets when we see these geopolitical tensions. It does seem like the market has digested a lot of this news. We've done a little bit better over the last couple of weeks in the stock market. Hasn't been as many surprises. Like we discussed for the long-term investors, don't overreact to this type of news. And Jack, I think you're spot on because a lot of investors may have noticed that the stock market has
0: come back off of the real short-term lows we've seen recently. But With those rising interest rates, I bet some
1: of their bond mutual funds
0: and portfolios have really lagged. And when they look at their statement value, they may not have seen that nice pop upward in the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, and and that's true as well. And I think the market's now shifting from the geopolitical tensions to the interest rates, and that's certainly affecting the bond market and equity market and where investors are putting their money.
0: I appreciate all that. What else do you think is important for investors to look at that you're seeing right now?
1: Well, Josh, there's one other thing we've been watching in the trading room. As, as many of our investors know, we are active in the bond markets, and we're always monitoring the yield curve closely, and it's starting to become inverted. The two- and 10-year yields are starting to trade very similar. Now, historically, that has been a recession signal, but there's been plenty of times throughout history in which this wasn't the case. A lot of recessions, we, we do see this type of inversion happen about six to to 12 months before. But it's just something we're watching right now. A lot of things can change quickly, as we've talked about. So not necessarily a recession predictor, but something to to watch.
0: So I appreciate that. So when you say inverted yield curve, this isn't like Top
1: Gun, right? Or I'm inverted, having a great time? No, no, this uh, <laughs> this would be quite the opposite. So
0: that's a bad thing. No, I appreciate that. And we ha- all joking aside, we have seen that just the indication that that could be something on the horizon. We're watching that really closely. And I think it's important that you brought that up.
1: Thanks, Jack. Yeah, Josh. Now I'll bring us into our topic, which is quality investing. This is a phrase a lot of times we use on the podcast and we talk about, I think a lot of our investors at this point are probably wondering, what is quality investing? So can you give us a definition of what it actually means? Thanks, Jack. Yeah, the term quality investing seems pretty obvious, right? Yeah,
0: it does. It's something that investors should want to do, buy quality companies. Well, As you said, we use that a lot in the office and on our prior programs, we've given reference to it. So what the heck is it? So it's become a popular term in our industry, and it's really just an investment strategy that focuses on selecting companies that stand out for a variety of metrics, right? And so when you think about it, well, doesn't everybody do that? Well, there's a couple of ways that I like to look about it. Instead of focusing on growth or or value investing, we're focusing on picking an investment that's more of an all-around quality company. And so we don't want to get caught up in focusing on one of those really popular strategies. You want to, Jack, just for some of our listeners, just
1: walk us through
0: what you're doing as a portfolio manager, if you're a growth portfolio manager a value, which are, I think, two of the most popular fund categories out there today.
1: Yeah, Josh, I think you're right. A lot of people are pretty familiar with those terms. And yeah, you you take a growth manager, that's someone who they're focused on that revenue growth. They want to see companies with new ideas and new products and the potential to, to really grow and become a market leader. A lot of times for those companies, they may be a little bit more expensive in the market. Investors may have to pay up more for that growth. Yeah, exactly. Um, And on the other side of things, you have the value companies that typically they're pretty consistent. They may pay a dividend, consistent free cash flow. So those type of companies that we may use in their everyday life, they're not necessarily have this big new idea that that's great. But at the same time, they're consistent. They pay a good dividend. They reward investors. That's what I think of when I think of value companies.
0: And and Jack, thanks for walking us through this. And for our listeners, that's exactly correct. When we've seen over the last decade or two, the quality investment movement, you think about investors like Warren Buffett, the investors are portfolio managers that are looking for companies that excel in multiple quantitative categories, like what Jack just mentioned, but also a lot of qualitative categories, you know, the softer side, more intellectual management, things like that. And it sounds very simple, but it's actually really challenging to find companies that check all the boxes, you know, Jack? Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, we're looking for the best all-round company in certain categories. And we believe these companies are going to deliver superior long-term performance, not only in the up markets that Jack talked about, where you have explosive revenue growth and high multiples, like we saw through the COVID era, but also during some of the more challenging market environments. These are companies that have the quality management teams, the financials, and a lot of the softer qualitative characteristics that we like to see that excel during tough markets.
1: Well, Josh, that that sounds great. We've identified here what quality investing is and in high quality companies. But at the end of the day, it comes down to performance. Right. And we talked a lot about during COVID sell off. There were a lot of companies that initially did very well because of COVID. You know, they may have been down 80 to 90 percent. So Josh, how do strategies that buy these high quality investments perform during volatile periods like this?
0: You know, it's a really good question, right? You imply that it just, you know, comes down to performance. So
1: we've been through a really interesting
0: time, Jack, as you know, and and I'll let you jump in here if you want, that the quality investment strategies that we typically see and, and the one even that we employ here at the firm really underperformed during the period just after the March 2020 COVID scare. And so you had an amazing explosion of some of the higher multiple names, you know, some of the innovative technologies. They didn't have proven track records. They didn't check all the boxes for us and other firms in the quality areas especially with just how long they've been around, management team experience, things like that. And so the growth investors really did a good job during that period.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some of them did real well.
0: So you're going to have times where really high growth investments are really favored, and you're going to see companies with really high PE multiples, sales multiples, those with the large market. We call it TAM here at the firm, but just the total market that they're able to serve. Number of subscribers. You think of the online subscription companies that are out there where you're downloading your TV shows from you know, binge watching your favorite series, those types. Those companies did really well. What's really interesting though, Jack, is if you look in the last few months, especially the beginning of 2022, there's been a real big reversal. You've seen investors flocking towards higher quality names. You've seen investors looking for good leadership. Uh, You talked about dividends. I'll say from my perspective, free cash flow a lot of the strength and credit rating. When investors get a little more concerned about volatility, whether it's caused by geopolitical events like the Russia-Ukraine situation, or whether it's just the initial stages of COVID itself before the bounce back, investors really run to and grab onto those high-quality names and use them as a life vest in a really rough market and some rough seas. So that's how I'd comment regarding performance. But I will tell you what matters to to us is in the long term. You know, you didn't ask specifically about short or long term, but when you look at the long term and you look at success investors like Warren Buffett. And, you know, there's other rockstar money managers that have done real well. I'm thinking of one particular fund that we use in our mutual fund portfolios that really underperformed during a lot of the explosive growth. And, and in fact, in our capital market meeting today, you had mentioned how well they were doing, you know, at this beginning of the year, because they're more of a long-term quality growth manager. Yeah, you know, we talk about growth, we talk about value, you know, trying to find companies that you were mentioning that are innovating and growing top line at these amazing growth rates. You know, Zoom comes to mind and some other companies like that. And then on the flip side of that, value managers are looking for stuff that's cheap. And the problem with that, Jack, is, is we get caught up in you know, things that we call value traps and buying companies that are cheap for a reason. Have you ever seen a broken down car or a junkie house that's cheap for a reason, Jack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you don't always buy those. And for our listeners, I'm sure y'all can identify, and some of you are probably smiling. You've seen those types of quote unquote investment opportunities for rental properties that it might not be such a good idea to get into. And, and stocks are the same way. So sometimes stocks are cheap for a reason. The reason that I really like implementing the type of quality strategy that we have here is because long term it has proven to be a very successful strategy, not only for folks like Warren Buffett, but for our clients and individual investors alike.
1: Yeah, Josh, I think you're spot on there. A lot of the industry is focused on growth and versus value for sure, but staying focused on the quality investing is what is important to us. And that brings me to our process a little bit. I'd like to talk about that. Can you talk a little bit about how the Rudd Company selects companies in our core equity portfolios? I sure can, Jack. And, you know,
0: we're all talking about these big ideas, right? But some of our listeners are probably thinking, well, that's great. Why don't you tell us, you know, how do you pick quality companies, right? Yeah,
1: just give us a little something. (laughs)
0: So... uh and I'm happy to walk you through our process. And, and uh, just for our listeners, Jack and I work hand in hand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the mic here, but Jack is also an expert in all these. And so I'm interested to hear his comments on this as well. The first one I'll mention is just the market position and competitive advantage that we have for the firm. Jack, when I think about this, I think about the the book that we read. A lot of us in business school, you know, there, actually there's a couple of them now by Jack Welch. You know, I, I know that he wrote Straight from the Gut and a book called Winning. I know you read Winning. He talks about his early time. At GE and how one of his missions going in was to only keep the number one or the the number two company in each one of his divisions, and if one of his divisions couldn't couldn't measure up to that, you know he'd cut them loose, sell them, or close them down. And market position and competitive advantage from a quality investor's perspective is really the same thing. Jack, here's a couple things that I know we look for, and, and please comment if you'd like to as well. But industry dominance is really important for us. If you and I want to be in a sector for our clients, we want to put their money into a sector that's doing very well we want to be in a leader or we want to be in a number two up and comer or somebody that's really putting pressure on that leader. You know, we, we don't always want to take the leader because sometimes a leader can get a little lazy <laughs> and a little complacent. And so we want to make sure they're being challenged. And so they need to be dominant in the industry either by taking market share or being the, the current dominant player. The second is brand authority. I, I know that you like a lot of the consumer discretionary companies and beverage and, and things like that. And when you
1: look at brand portfolios. Isn't that important? Yeah. I mean, you can't say enough about it. People feel very comfortable when they they know the brands. And when we look at companies, it's the same thing. When we know they have that brand portfolio, that makes us confident in owning that company. And it's really
0: the top line, right? It doesn't matter whether we're looking at potato chips or whether a mom's going into a grocery store and she's really choosing a safe and predictable product for her children. And really what's come up, too, also in the recent years, have, have you been surprised by the rise of pet food and those brands as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these companies, I mean, that's one of their biggest sources of growth. It's pretty incredible to see.
0: So, that's really that brand authority is important for us here at the firm. Another one is just when you look at it from a competitive advantage perspective, what I want to see is I want to see a clear leader in product sophistication, you know, price. When you look at companies like Walmart, that's obvious. I want their quality to be top of the line, I want them to have. competitive mode around their business jack i want it to be very hard to enter into their business you know i want companies that have patents or high barriers to entry this has really been interesting when you and i have been talking about the ev market you know about how the dominance of one player and then the other folks trying to catch up to him and to make a profitable product and to have margins at all i mean when you look at the leader's margins and then you look at his competitors i mean They're just trying to create margins. Yeah. Beyond that, so we've talked about market position and competitive advantage, Jack, and I think that that's something that a lot of our listeners can think about and they can recognize easily through the brands and the companies that they know. But as you brought up for growth investors, that's something that we don't ignore. That's something that we also do, similar to a growth strategy. We're looking for revenue growth. So I think my second point is just revenue growth across the board. And that really tells investors, Jack, if a company's not growing their revenue, then they're not innovating and growing their business or taking market share. And it doesn't have to be an exciting company like that, those in EV, or you've talked a lot about the, you know, we've we've joked about the Oculus and gaming and some of the the applications of that technology on our prior programs. But let's think a boring company like John Deere. You look at the fact that John Deere is able to put out a quality product, protect their market share and grow their business. And that's an agribusiness. A lot of us would think that, you know, harvesting and and all those implements and equipment is pretty boring, but There's reason John Deere charges a premium on their product and continues to innovate. It's the fact that they can grow their revenue. And we see companies like that. And you may think that they're quality, but you can measure their quality through these different metrics.
1: Yeah, I agree, Josh. And you even said it when you were talking about competitive advantage. Some of those companies, reality is they do get lazy. How many companies can we name from 20 years ago that may have been a a competitor, but they just stopped growing revenue and they were just out of business just like that. So I think, yeah, you always have to pay attention to revenue growth and how they're innovating, even if it isn't as quick as maybe some other smaller companies in their industry.
0: And that's right. And when you said that, you made me think of some products that are no longer around. My children wanted to watch the Goonies over the weekend and my lovely wife looked at me and said, do you remember the Betamax? Do yeah. you know what that is, Jeff?" I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our listeners uh, may be laughing, but there's products and services that if you don't innovate, they go away. And
1: The Rudd Commentary is brought to you by The Rudd Company. At The Rudd Company, our sophisticated team becomes your proactive wealth manager, your confidant, and personal CFO. So relax and focus your time and energy on what's important to you. Contact us today at rudco at therudcompany.com. That's R U D D C O at therudcompany.com.
0: Uh, the third one is really capital management, which is very self explanatory, Jack, just based in the name. But what we're asking here is how does the manager of the firm? manage the assets that they have to work with to create profits for the shareholders to either be reinvested, right, Jack, or either be paid out as a as a dividend. So what we're typically looking for here, for those of you that remember finance class or for those of you that got a minor in business uh, and went through these, uh, we're looking for high return on assets, you know, return on invested capital. We're looking for a lot of the inventory management ratios. Uh, we're looking for a management team that is effectively
1: and that's the key word effectively managing the assets that they have at their disposal. I think like you said this is more objective part of our process, you know, we're looking at the ratios, making sure that none of the ratios were altered in any way, but yeah, we we have our ratios and we look at those. They can tell us a lot about how management is doing, choosing projects, stuff like that.
0: And this is a part of our process for our listeners to understand that just like revenue growth, capital management is very measurable and it is a science and we go on and we look at it and we try to dig through the numbers. And you know, if we find a value out there, the first question that Jack and I are asking each other is, what have we missed? We're trying to see why there's an opportunity in the market and we're not just assuming that we're better than our competitors, we're really trying to dig in and, and find out what are we missing. Sometimes we find some opportunities, but you know sometimes you got to dig a little deeper and, and find out what the rest of the street is seeing. That leads us to really the fourth criteria that I want to mention, which is financial strength. When you think about a quality investment strategy, what does quality bring to mind, Jack?
1: Well, Josh, what I think about is I think about a company's balance sheet, how much cash they have on hand, can they pay their bills? can they get money in the door quickly? Just those type of things, overall strength of the company and their financial statements.
0: And that's what I wanted to get to next, and I appreciate that. So when our listeners first realized what our topic was today, and you think about quality investing, I feel that most of them would think about quality in terms of the financial aspects of quality. And so that's what another component that we're looking at. Uh, we're definitely not ignoring financial strength, and we're not talking about just good credit ratings here. I mean, you think about an individual, it's not just their credit report that determines whether or not that person is is a quality investment as an entrepreneur, for example. You know, they could have some great ideas, but maybe they don't know how to manage money well. Managing money is a very important part of quality. We're determining whether or not the firm has the ability to do several things, right, Jack? So, whether an economic downturn, deal with a lawsuit, deal with competitive threats from the number two that we were talking about in the business, acquire firms, raise capital in the financial markets for needed projects. And really, uh, as you implied at the very start of our program, do they have the capacity and the ability to pay out cash flow in the forms of dividends to their shareholders over a very long period of time? And especially what we like to see is we like to see rising dividends. So those are some of the basic, not an exhaustive list for our listeners, Jack, but a very basic list of some of the variables we look at in in the financial strength area.
1: Yeah. And Josh, within the context of this podcast and what's going on right now, I think we talked earlier about how these strategies perform in volatile markets or down markets. I I think you said it right. You need to pick a company that can withstand a bad market, that can withstand a decrease in consumer spending. And a lot of times these companies that have higher financial strength, they can do that. So I think that's a good point there.
0: And they built up that reputation with the banks where they can go tap those credit lines if they need to. We saw that during COVID with some of the firms that we held in our portfolio. When you have a great management team that understands how to use those financial levers at their disposal, you feel a lot more confident as an investor in holding on to that company through some of those downtrends and through some of those messy times in the economy. Which leads us to my last point. I saved this one for last because I implied earlier that you know management can have a pretty big impact on the firm and they can. And so leadership is a thing that Jack and I look at and feel very passionate about when we look at these companies. And For some of you that read a lot and then enjoy the business periodicals and press and books, the author Jim Collins may come to mind. He talked about what's called a level five leader. It's that selfless individual that inspires other people. And those are very rare. And Jack and I definitely look for those type of leaders in our business, but they're very hard to find. What we primarily are looking for just to check the box on the first level is trying to find leaders that quite frankly, stay out of trouble and do their job. And- that is sometimes a little difficult to find. We've got a lot, as you can imagine, Jack, a lot of uh, arrogance and attitudes and, <laughs> and uh, baggage that comes with CEOs, and it can be a little challenging. One of the things that's been difficult for me in my time in the industry is just trying to find managers that'll put their politics aside and run the company, and that's become an issue in the last few years. But really, we have this search for those innovative and disruptive leaders like the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks out there and the Warren Buffetts and Gates. Those are the types of leaders that everybody wants in their company. And you may not think so as an employee at the time, but looking back, those types of personalities grow companies, innovate products give us the great vehicles, the EV vehicles that we have today, which a lot of folks said couldn't be done profitably. And now suddenly you've got all the major automakers deciding that they're going to do it, right? And so it's looking for quality leadership is extremely important. And I would tell investors that it's absolutely critical to find those leaders when you're looking at implementing a quality investment strategy. So start with folks that just stay out of trouble. But when you dig through that list, if you can boil it down and you can get to those leaders that
1: really innovate, you've really found something special. And I think this is one of the ones that's often overlooked by a lot of investors. I mean, you just listed off three, four, five brilliant CEOs and the things that they've done with those companies continue to innovate and continue to push forward even when some people wrote them off. So I think you're you're spot on. So, Josh, I want to move into valuation now. A lot of people in the quality investing crowd, they just pick a company they like and they say, hey, I'm never selling it. This company checks all the boxes. Company I really like. They have the revenue growth. They have the market position. But Price has to matter when we're investing in these type of names, correct?
0: Yes, it it does matter and and this is the most challenging part of this type of a strategy because when you are in the growth crowd and I'm not I'm not picking at our growth manager colleagues out there, but when you call yourself a growth manager, it gives you almost license not to pay attention to valuation, right? You can just buy the companies that are growing and have the highest growth rates in a certain industry. And then when you call yourself a value manager, sometimes that gives you license for looking or choosing companies that maybe don't have the best growth prospects or not that quality out there, ergo the low valuation. You know, We talked about sometimes the, the companies that are at low valuation are there for a reason because it's you know, an ugly house on the street. So right. when you measure yourself against that quality investment benchmark, it's much more difficult because now you've, you've found the company you like and it's usually not cheap because it's a great company. The biggest challenge, and I, I think that Warren Buffett has said it many times is that, and I'm paraphrasing and I don't want to butcher his quote, but you know, sometimes when the market's down, you get up and you tap dance. You know, that's what he's talked about, you know, the way that he feels when the market sells off dramatically. So you have to be patient and you have to know your price targets and your entry targets. And sometimes you don't always get what you want. I can think about some companies that we've purchased specifically trying to hedge our portfolios against inflation. And when you're looking at a company that's a great inflation hedge, And that makes a product that people buy every day and that can push price increases down to the consumer. Everybody knows that. And so they all want to buy it. And so it's not cheap. (laughs) You have to be patient and wait for an opportunity to enter. I I want our listeners to know that, that when you implement this type of a strategy, you're not always going to get the price you want. It's not always going to be perfect, but you can price the market. You have to do your independent value calculations, know what you think is reasonable, and then you have to execute on that strategy. So in the end you got to be patient you got to wait for those opportunities to present themselves and jack if there's one thing we've learned about the market is that it will continue to present those opportunities regardless of where the economy's at what the geopolitical environment is at or what new strain of a virus is making its way through the global economy
1: Agreed, Josh. And we do plenty of work here looking at the historical price of the market and what things typically trade at in most markets. So we're we're always looking at price here and make sure we choose our investments at the right price for us. So it's been a great discussion here, but I do have one more question for you, Josh. So for some of our listeners who don't work with a wealth management firm like ours, how can they implement a quality investing strategy?
0: Well, that's a big question, right? So we want to give our listeners advice that they can put to work. So we just walked through those five criteria that we use to evaluate those quality companies and manage our portfolio. Of course, there's a lot that goes into that and a lot of variables that we didn't discuss. But I would tell you the first advice I can give you is you you need to establish some clear guidelines of what those variables are that are important to you. And you've got to stick to that policy. And Jack, you can speak to this a little bit here, because I know you'll have a lot of experience. But every time we we sit down for our quarterly investment policy meeting, the structure is extremely important and following that policy on a quarterly basis and knowing exactly what we're going to do if these certain things happen. And the reason I say that to our individual investors out there that that are doing this as free agents, a lot of times they're overcome by emotions. You know, you think about what do you do if, if you get excited or what if you get extremely fearful? And Unfortunately, deviating from that plan that you established when you were calm and everything was well thought out is kind of like that famous Mike Tyson quote you know, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. So, unfortunately, getting hit is when the opportunities show up. And that's when you can find a lot of these high-quality investments at the prices that you want. The challenge, Jack, is to get them at the prices you want, you need to know what prices you want them at. And those were established during the, the planning and the policy period. So I would definitely establish that policy, know exactly what you're looking for in each one of those categories ahead of time, and then wait for those companies to become available or for them to become at a price that you want them at. The second thing I'd mention is I keep coming back to Warren Buffett, but he mentioned that you should buy what you know. I think individual investors have a huge advantage over professionals in this area. If you work in a particular industry or you're a salesperson and you service a particular industry, if you are a college professor or you are an expert in any particular field, the odds are that you know a product or service better than professionals do. One thing and and you know we joke about here Jack is that you know we'll go out and do boots on the ground recon sometimes on certain companies. Just think if you're a person that really enjoys fishing, like my son does, and you know all the new products and services that are coming out. And I may be touting one company that's the number one player in an industry, but you're using these products every day, and you heard about an IPO of a company that's making a far superior product. And then if you look at these different categories that we talked about, you've got a very innovative owner. This company's growing revenue, but they're really small, so they're not showing up on these money managers' radar yet and they're a real up-and-comer, you might know more about them than the experts. So buy what you know. I would encourage you to do that. And really, that's what professional investors really try to do is to know enough so they can make a good decision. The third thing, Jack, is something I do as a, as a pilot, as a private pilot. Uh, establish your, your minimums and then stick to them. For example, if you say that you're not going to buy a company that has less than a 3% dividend yield, don't make an exception. Stick to your minimums. You were making those choices at a time when you were calm and everything was well thought out. Look back at history and decide what those minimums or maximums are going to be and then stick to them. I think emotion causes a lot of problems in our industry more so than others. And the last is, is the advice, Jack, that I've already given to our listeners, which is be patient. It's very important to be patient and to wait for those opportunities to become available. But Jack, you know what the best advice is that I can give our listeners of all? What is that? it's to hire professionals to do it for them. Um, no, more more seriously, um, if you are a full-time busy professional and you're a high performer, whether you're a retiree that's focusing on a new dream or a new hobby or a new skill that you're working on, or you're a professional out there at the top of your game, out in the sales world, or you're innovating yourself for one of these companies, chances are that you don't have the time or the resources to be an expert in each one of these fields or to evaluate companies based on this criteria. And I would say that we do that very well. Jack, the fact of the matter is that our team has decades of experience and a full-time trading desk, and we put that to work for our investors. It's really difficult to expect for an individual investor to compete with that or any other full-time asset management firm that has a lot of folks that are doing this and running through all those criteria and have investment policies in place. Could you imagine trying to do that yourself? You'd, You'd have to work overtime and you'd have to have all those additional
1: resources at your disposal as well. Yeah, Josh, I mean you talked about the preparation and the system that we have and that's just that's just not available for most people. So I think you're spot on there. Yeah. Well, Jack, I really enjoyed this topic, and thank you so much for moderating this.
0: Um, I would like to extend a thanks out to our regular listeners for taking time to listen today. And as always, if you enjoyed this program, please subscribe to the Red Commentary on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform and never miss an episode. Also, if you know other investors that would enjoy this program – Please feel free to share the Rudd Commentary podcast through email or on social media. We also love feedback on our program and ideas for future topics. If you have the time, we'd really enjoy hearing from you. All of us here at the Rudd Company would like to thank you, our investors and clients, for your trust. Thank you for allowing us to be your partner in your long-term financial journey. We take this role very seriously. Thank you very much for listening today. This is the Rudd Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd. And from all of us here at the Rudd Company, invest long and prosper.
1: This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.